The IAB Fall Podcast Upfront took place last month and brought a bunch of new and exciting ideas for it. We're diving into them on Sounds Profitable today with me, Brian Barletta. And me, Ariel Nissenlatt. This episode is brought to you by Podsites, podcast attribution. Go to podsites.com for more information. Brian, what's up? How are you? We're back for another episode where I'm your co-host. Yeah, absolutely my co-host. I'm super excited for this. So <laughs> let's let's hear more about this. So we, we talked a little bit about the structure, but this is your show now. Let's how are we going yeah, into this? Partly. Partly. I'm gonna partly. I think what we've discovered or what we've decided is that I'm gonna be very prominent at the top of the show and at the bottom of the show. You're obviously still gonna own the interviews, but let's talk a little bit about what that means. So now that I'm co-hosting with you, I want to acknowledge the fact that I am not yet an expert in podcast ad tech, not yet, but like you always say, I will be because I am taking the time to comb through your articles and to do it live right here on the podcast and every week through social media. I am reading your articles. I am interacting with players in the space and I'm becoming an expert before your very eyes. So I think it's important while I'm catching up to let listeners know that number one, if they aren't experts yet either, that's okay. Not only is that okay, it's actually a big opportunity and they should definitely take advantage of this free knowledge that is being disseminated. And two, it was important for us, Brian and Ariel, and the whole team behind Sounds Profitable, while we were ideating on this new concept to make sure that it wasn't expert Brian teaches newbie Ariel You know, we didn't want that kind of dynamic because that can be very gendered and it's also just a shitty feeling. Can I say shitty? Yeah, I'm okay with that. Forget that explicit tag. Yeah. Sorry. Um, So with all that being said, I think that the start of season two, this is the second episode, is a great time to define some terms both for me and for listeners, whether they're new to the podcast ad tech space or they just want a refresher. Yeah. And the thing that I really want to highlight is that Ariel absolutely could sit in silo with me, we could take a week, we could take two days, and we could uh, get her fully up to speed on all of this stuff. And part of this is that I've never had to to teach like this management goal that I have of educating people that I'm working with and bringing them up. I'm learning this hands-on. So we're doing this in public. We're doing this in front of you. So instead of Ariel becoming an expert behind the scenes, she's doing it right there with all of you. And uh, she's guiding through this so that I can become a better teacher. She understands it fully. And she helps make sure that you digest as much of it as possible because the people that listen to the show range from, you know, the, the heads of major corporations and podcasting to the people who will be the future leaders in this space. Yeah. And, uh, you can learn alongside with me. So welcome to podcast ad tech one one. Let's define some terms, Brian. So let's talk about what is, how would you define in one or two sentences each? We'll keep this short and snappy. What is ad tech in general? So I view ad tech as any piece of technology, any piece of analytics that will enable someone to sell advertising. So anything from your download numbers to the ability to put in a dynamically inserted ad and everything in between. What is podcast ad tech more specifically? That relates to specifically podcasting as an industry. So serving of ads through, let's say, the RSS feed and the download of the episode. Lovely. What is DAI? That's an acronym that we hear a lot on the show. 
That's dynamic ad insertion. So that is the technology that allows at the time of request to download a podcast episode. So when someone presses play or it's auto-downloaded, that the hosting platform gets to determine the exact combinations of content and ads to be sent back for that specific request. What is a DSP? DSP stands for Demand Side Platform, and it's a part of the programmatic process that allows a buyer to set up all their configurations to purchase in inventory on their own terms. What is programmatic? Programmatic at its simplest is a way to facilitate a purchase between an inventory source and a buyer through agreed upon terms and technology. And here I've got two more questions that I think will help listeners orient themselves as to why they might be listening and why they should continue listening. Why does podcast ad tech matter for independent podcasters? I think it matters the most because the tools that Wondery uses, for example, Art19, are the same tools that you can use by signing up today. Spotify owns Megaphone and Anchor, and you can be a podcaster on either of those hosting platforms. So the tools that you use today can very easily transfer into skills that you learn as you become a much bigger company yourself, or you go to work at a bigger company in the space. Why does podcast ad tech matter for brands and larger companies? Ad tech in general is very confusing. You're seeing a lot of that get unraveled in the brand safety and brand suitability space in the greater ad tech industry. But in podcasting, it's very straightforward. A lot of the technology was built really to bring you from point A to point B, not point A to point Z in the like it is in the greater ad tech space. So I believe it's valuable because those brands and large companies, the people in there can bring that expertise in-house and speak to their clients or their partners and knowledgeably navigate around these things that are going to make their lives easier, their performance better, and elevate themselves career-wise too. Any other jargon that I'm missing that you feel like we should define for folks? I'm sure we're going to come across we'll get it. There. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's so many little things that I just take for granted because I've been saying it so long. And uh, even hearing this list was really exciting to make sure that I actually explain each of these points. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the reason I'm bringing it up is because when I was listening to your interview that we're about to play, I was like, they are throwing these terms around like everybody knows them. And a lot of people who are listening might, but I want to make sure it's accessible to everybody because like you said, podcast ad tech can help every single podcaster, whether you're new to the game, only getting 100 downloads with hopes of eventually growing and growing and growing. And then of course, the big, big companies. So yeah, defining terms is something that I am very passionate about making sure that everybody has equal access. So now that we are up to speed, let's talk about today's interview. So yeah. you you are chatting with Claire Fanning, who is the VP of Ad Innovation at SXM Media. So tell me about the IAB panel that led you to asking her to join you on the show. So it, this is actually really funny because I didn't actually get to listen to this panel live when it happened. So I caught up on, uh, like, I think it was Digiday and Inside Radio review of the panel. And all they did was focus on the negativity. And it reminded me so much of why I started Sounds Profitable. There are so many other publications out there that just don't get podcasting or podcast ad tech and go out of their way to highlight the negative. These negative sells. Like, totally. believe me, if I write a bad, like a, a pressing article, it's going to get way more attention than just teaching people how it works. And I was mad going into it. And then I listened to the panel and Claire in 19 minutes, and I keep highlighting it because it wasn't 20 minutes. There was no filler on either 
side of it. In 19 minutes, Claire navigated this conversation with four experts in programmatic. It felt like the most minimal sell for SXM Media about what they offer, but it talked about the strengths of programmatic, why people want to get into it in podcasting specifically, and the roadblocks that we need to come together to fix. Not that they were insurmountable, not that they're preventing people from spending, but they're slowing things down. And I do want to highlight, this was the first time I ever spoke to Claire. Like We never had a prep call or anything, which I know so many people in the space, but I'm always excited when I meet more people. Claire's background is wild. Claire has had a very long career in all aspects of advertising and strategy and product. And it's just, it's so cool. And I'm so eager to see Claire leading more panels like this and leading more growth because she gets it. And she understands that the community and health of the industry is only going to make her job easier and make all of us better off in this space. Yeah, I think that definitely came through in the interview. How does SXM Media's work and research fit into the larger ad tech scene, the larger podcast ad tech scene? So SXM Media is under SiriusXM. Under that umbrella is AdsWiz, uh, Stitcher Midroll, Simplecast. They've done so many cool things. Midroll was one of the first sponsors of Sounds Profitable. And Paul from that team over there is someone I've talked to a lot about the research that they do. And they spend so much time surveying their own audience. They do so many very thoughtful research projects. Pandora, sorry, Pandora is part of that too. I keep forgetting about that aspect because it's primarily focused on streaming. Pandora is really well known for their research too. So they have a very large team focused on that. And what I liked most is that SXM's message has always been really around the power of host red. And now they're digging into attribution and now they're digging into programmatic. And more than anything, it's great to see a company that explains the values of everything and really highlights that you need that. You need all of those pieces to be successful in the space. Nobody or very, very few, very lucky people can pick one specific channel, knock it out of the park and not have to learn anything else. Yeah, I think that listeners will definitely get a sense of what SXM Media is doing by way of your interview with Claire. And I think all the questions that I just asked, all of the framing that we just did gives listeners a great segue into this week's conversation. So why don't we hit the tape? Yeah, I'm excited for you all to hear my interview with Claire Fanning, VP of Ad Innovation at SXM Media. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Thank you, Brian. So excited to be part of this. Yeah, I I really love the panel, the IAB panel. And if you have any ability to put that out publicly, please do, because it was so eye-opening for so many people. All the different news sources really covered it in like the negative light, but you did such a good job at pulling together all these decision makers to really say like, programmatic is valuable. We need it in podcasting. We're working on it. But what are the things we can improve on as an industry and the roadblocks that we need to learn to work through together to make it bigger? Yeah. Well, Thank you. Thank you for listening and tuning in. We're so excited about this space. And that's really the conversation we wanted to have, which is incredibly multifaceted. And the perspectives from the clients, from the large agencies, small agencies, as well as the DSP side, it's a really complicated issue that has so much potential. And 
uh, during that panel, we talked about investment levels and the podcast industry is booming, but the level of investment that is transacted programmatically is incredibly low at this point in time. And I think there are some obvious barriers, but what we sort of wanted to explore is the notion of being on the tipping point of where investment at scale programmatically is actually becoming a reality um, that we're going to expect to see. So that that's essentially, you know, our perspective, it really, really is an industry challenge. It's not something that, you know, any single one entity is going to solve on its own. So it was really fun to come to the table to discuss it. Yeah. And that's a really key point about podcasting as an industry. Like there is a lot of community aspect. We realize that we can't build our own tech to solve a unique problem that no one else can copy. It's all collaborative. And we have to work together because it either has to follow a framework for all of podcasting or it doesn't work. We're not in a siloed state where someone can stake their claim and say it only works this way for one brand or one publisher and not anybody else. And one of the things that you brought up, that people are so afraid of programmatic. As a publisher, they tend to think low CPMs. They tend to think that it's going to just flood your show. But I don't think a single advertiser wants that. I don't think a marketplace wants that or, or anybody. The thing that, that I want to harp on is that when a buyer starts using programmatic for anything, and they use it for so many different things, that's why they have a, a demand side platform like the Trade Desk or Magnite, and they make their buys through all these different channels there. You guys brought up that there was specifically value in buying a wide test and seeing how that performs to kind of dip your toe in podcasting. So can you kind of elaborate on that a little bit more? Like how a buyer who has never touched podcasting before can look at programmatic as that entry point? Yes. And it's actually, you know, it's really flipping on its head how the industry has approached testing podcasts. So, you know, if you look back the last five, seven years where, you know, podcasting has really had a massive trajectory, a lot of the testing has been in a very bespoke nature. So, you know, show level buying, full control, real connection to the hosts and the content, buyers personally listening to content to understand if that's the right um, alignment to their brands. And that's exciting. But as the industry becomes a lot bigger and the creation of podcasts grows immensely, it's really not sustainable or scalable. And so the complete opposite end of the spectrum is understanding the podcast space in the way that it really has become, which is a mass reach vehicle. So reaching an audience that is leaned into content in the same way that you might invest in television or general audio. Um, you know, It's all about reaching the consumer and then finding the levers to ensure that it's right for your brand based on what you know about your consumer. And so for those buyers who are really comfortable buying inventory programmatically, who may not really have an understanding of how their brand might tackle the podcast space, the approach might be, okay, I know my brand is aligned to key audiences or key interests or looks like a particular demo, but I don't, you know, as a buyer, have the time to listen to 5,000 podcasts to understand which yeah. ones I should align to. That is really where I think the testing can begin in the programmatic environment. So very different headspace and less kind of endemically focused on particular content. But the reason why it is, you know, a possibility now 
is because we do have the tools to better understand the content and the audiences. So what we talked about is, you know, what are those tools? Audience targeting, for example, comes with its challenges. And, you know, I think that as an industry, we'll continue to get there. But fragmentation of listenership as well as, you know, identification signals is going to continue to be a challenge. We talked a little bit about transcription targeting, which, you know, it's sort of perking up in the industry here and there. And I think there's really interesting value there in terms of allowing technology to transcribe episodes and segment them for advertising purposes. So in the case that we talked about, it was brand safety or suitability, where how can you transcribe content and categorize so that you know you're not running alongside, you know, particular content such as, you know, violence or guns and ammunition, you know, clear no-nos for particular brands. Likewise, positively targeting based on segmentation. So maybe a, you know, particular sports segment or, you know, interest level segment. And I really am interested to see where the industry takes this opportunity. It is a bit of a departure. Contextual targeting has always existed. But being able to tap into the scale that we're talking about and say, my brand is, you know, running along suitable content as well as against, you know, context that we know they're going to be more apt to listen to our brand message. You've got a really interesting starting point. And, you know, it enables them to take advantage of this medium, which I believe is so powerful. You know, regardless of how you buy, whether you bought directly into office ladies or you bought against a particular segment, you're still reaching a listener who loves that content and who is listening in a space where they're likely not multitasking, or if they are, it's doing something mundane like folding the laundry, my favorite podcasting activity. <laughs> and they're connected to that content. So I think long-winded way of saying like, you know, there's two different ways to approach it. Neither are wrong, but based on the type of buyer you are and your comfort levels and what tools you use, there are, you know, there's probably a a path for you one way or the other. Yeah. And I think uh, to me, contextual is the next big thing in podcasting because it's so funny. We've tried so hard to be digital and it's just like, hey guys, we learned from print. We can learn from radio. What's old is new again. And (laughs) I like it because I don't think brand safety is going to be the leader in podcasting. I think brand suitability is because right now podcasting isn't just transcribed by default. It isn't contextually targeted by default. And there are risks with brand safety about, you know, there, uh, there's all sorts of great coverage about how Microsoft and other companies said they wanted a negative target like Black Lives Matter. And there goes the news cycle, right? We've defunded the news and that's scary. Whereas brand suitability is, does this content align with my content? So it doesn't matter if it's an article about puppies or a podcast about puppies. If the core show itself is a white supremacist show, well, that doesn't align with their content. That's more important. And I think we have a killer opportunity to be brand suitability first instead of brand safety first as an industry. One thing you mentioned, and and I wanted to actually ask about this, is you mentioned fragmentation. And so I, as an advocate of the entire podcast advertising and ad tech space, I I learned a trick when I was waiting tables. You never say no problem because you've said the word problem. (laughs) So when I hear fragmentation, I only think bad. So I'd love to hear what you mean by fragmentation in the space right now related to programmatic or ad buying. 
Yeah. And that's a good call out. You know, I think fragmentation in my head makes sense, but we maybe need to invent a new word with a positive <laughs> connotation. Fragmentation of listenership means, so the podcasts themselves are widely distributed, whether that's on Pandora, on Spotify, on um, the Apple app, like it, wherever you choose to listen, you're listening. We... Yep. At Essex and Media, we're monetizing across several properties. So we actually don't care where that listenership happens. Yeah. Only that it does for publishers that we represent. And so the burden has been on us to connect the ecosystem in a seamless way so that we can say, okay, brand, you want to invest in an audience that looks like this or a show that looks like this. We're going to connect you, but we're not going to restrict you to the platforms that we've represented in, in our past lives. Yeah. And I say that because it's really important for us from an ad innovation and product standpoint to ensure we're pulling the pieces together to the best of our ability to then connect it into a seamless buy. So we're not in any way trying to stop people from listening to where they are, but we're trying to pull from the signals that we collect. Now, there is a challenge there, which is that signals are different and there's you yeah. know levels of data that are and are not available and that's changing every single day. And so that's where we start thinking about what can we lean on that is more reliable and full circle back to why I think transcription is so powerful because as long as we are you know getting permission from publishers to transcribe that content, which is step one of the transcription, methodology, then we're okay to categorize that content and activate that for brands. Gotcha. Okay. So part of what you're saying here is that when you're in a situation like where you Pandora is part of your parent company, and then so is the Simplecast ads with Stack, there's probably different data points you get there because it's self-contained. Same with Spotify, for example, with Megaphone and Anchor or Amazon with Art19 and all of their apps. That is what differentiates things in podcasting. I try and think of podcast advertising as what comes in the MP3. Now, mm -hmm. for you, when you're differentiating it and when you have that full stack, you can send extra data signals, which is valuable. But to me, the core of podcast advertising is it's from the RSS feed. It's baked in at time of ad or like episode creation. And it all uses just IP user agent exactly. and the base stuff there. So that clears up a lot for me on that end. I just love how you you focus on explaining that. And thank you. Like, the words we use in this space are very easy to have us run over on certain things, right? Like it, it is not great on a technical level that we only have downloads in podcasting and we don't have listens. And that's an argument that we go up against people in other industries for, but we're not going to magically get listens for everything. So how we position things like that, how we say fragmentation, how we say this is the data we have and we don't lament what we don't have is really going to be how other channels view us. Well, and it's funny you say that because it brings us back to the first question in terms of programmatic. That actually, I think, is a scary word in the industry on yeah. the creator side and maybe has just as negative of a connotation as maybe fragmentation means to you. And then when you you know peel back the onion, you realize there's so much more than what a creator might have thought programmatic might have been. And that's yeah. A lot of the the myth busting that we're looking to do today too. And that's that's a good segue because one of the things I wanted to bring up was 
you know, I think that the marketplace approach that we're taking and Adswiss has their marketplace, we have ACAST, we, and, and both of you guys are set up to programmatically connect to DSPs. And that's very cool. But a lot of the focus seems to be on come log into our platform. And that's tough because that prevents the buyers from getting all the features when they do it on the DSP side. But I keep thinking about it on what's in the open RTB. And one thing that me and you talked about earlier was that there's creative that has to be made. Now, if you buy HostWriter, somebody buys a Sounds Profitable ad, they send me bullet points and I just read them. But we don't have that in you know programmatic audio. We like a lot of these advertisers don't have any audio assets. It's not like a banner that you can repurpose because you have your style guide and creative. It's not like a TV ad that you can put into CTV, which in the panel they explained that's a big reason why CTV is exploding. So for the audio creative side, when the brands are coming to the table, that marketplace, that direct touch point, one step below programmatic, but still transacts in a programmatic way. That's how you guys really get in front of the creative teams, right? That's how you help them build their own creative, right? Right. Well, so the creative itself is probably like warrants its own conversation, but I'm (laughs) going to scratch the surface here because I have a lot of thoughts on this. You know, there's different types of hosts, some who love the liberty of reading an ad the way that they want to. Others want to know exactly what they're going to say and others don't want to do host reads because they're really there for the content and the journalism and you know whatever it might be, or it's just a time sensitivity. So we have a variety of hosts. And then we also have different host comfort levels in terms of I want full control. I never want you know somebody else to be speaking on, on my show, that kind of thing. The way that we've approached Modern, I, w- I call it kind of the modernization of podcasts, which is really, you know, d- developing the technology to support scaled buying tactics. We approach it with intimacy and authenticity in mind. So the power of a host read ad is real. They work. They, you know, hosts are connected to their audiences. And as I mentioned before, those audiences are incredibly leaned in. It's, you know, match made in heaven. But at a certain point, if you want to take advantage of monetization levers and access the scale that you know this industry can produce, as a creator, you likely have to relinquish some control. And we're looking to put the parameters in place to make sure that that's not a scary thing. So it is about ensuring we have you know creative best practices and guidelines for pre-produced creative. So we're not looking for a repurposed terrestrial radio ad because it just doesn't work. <laughs> Sunday, you know, Sunday, Sunday. Exactly. There's a reason why those are created the way that they are. And yeah. it's really to capture attention. And in the podcast ad experience, it would be incredibly jarring. You know, you you yep. don't want to go from being like, oh my gosh, it's a cliffhanger to just, you know, in your face. So the industry, I think, has adapted well to those best practices and understands why those exist. And I would say even in the past three to five months, we're actually seeing a lot more pre-produced creative that is intended for podcast usage by our brands, which is really great to see. You know, they've That's put awesome. more thought into the briefs and they know that they want to utilize this. So to your point about industry standards, though, those don't exist yet. So a pre-produced podcast asset might fit the bill for our platform and not someone else's or vice versa. And I think there is probably the need for the you know industry to unite on what that looks like so that we can 
create a more seamless path for brands. The other piece, though, I will say, so that that kind of gives creators peace of mind. There is also the ability, you know, when we work with publishers and creators, we intake category restrictions. You know, do you yeah. have categories that you absolutely can't be aligned against? That's noted. And so, you know, that is, it's not like by opening yourself up for non-host red ads or a programmatic transaction that you, you've relinquished the right for restricting. Yeah. And I... Uh, you can also do like domains or uh, specific advertiser blocks. And if your hosts and your programmatic partner are one in the same, it can even take into account the direct ads you're serving in that specific episode and make sure programmatic doesn't fill it. Exactly. And one of the things in, in programmatic in general, and I believe it's in podcast programmatic, is I could even set it for creative approval before any programmatic ad comes through. So I could individually approve a creative. I might miss out on the whole campaign because it's served by the time I approved it. Or I could white label a uh, or or allow list a yeah. an advertiser and say everything from you going forward is allowed. Yeah, publishers really have that level of control, right? Well, they do and they don't. I would say that as a publisher and creator, you know, there has to be more philosophical conversations about at what level do we want to scale this and trust the process versus, you know, enable these very manual controls as we go. But yes, like it's all baby steps in terms of how we get there. Yeah. And, um, and there are controls. The, the other thing, um, you know, I talked about pre-produced creative. We have been exploring our announcer read strategy, which I actually am pretty bullish on. And that has been... What that means is we take a, a handful, a very small quantity of voiceover talent who reads ads on behalf of the host. So it's sort of, you know, in between pre-produced ads that could run anywhere and a host read ad. And what it does is it, you know, enables that kind of singular voice to speak as if they were the host. And this is not new in the industry. You know, if you listen to podcasts regularly, you might hear a voice that's very common, but not the host themselves. Yeah. And the idea is that we do kind of have that just like leaned in authentic voice that builds vocal equity over time. And ultimately, we may scale that out to be something like, you know, we represent NBC podcasts, for example. So voice of NBC. So may not be, you know, Rachel Maddow, but would be one singular voice that is more representative of that entity, which I think works really nicely given that as a podcast listener, you probably have a handful of podcasts that you're listening to regularly and you start really kind of understanding what that voice looks like. So we have done some early testing there and actually the attributes like trust and authenticity and likability of the ad itself has really popped. And I think there's so much more exploration we need to do there. But when you think about going back to you know programmatic enablement and really bringing scaled solutions to the table... That's one where you know I'd love to see brands take more advantage of, so that they're not you know restricted to any one particular solution. And I think there's actually kind of a balance there of like yeah. where do I use my pre-produced ad that I've put a lot of effort into? Where do I feel like I could have a strong connection to a, a group of shows? And then where is it absolutely necessary that Stephen Dubner reads my ad in Freakonomics because that is what's going to, you know, really move things for me. And right now, podcast buying is very kind of singular from a strategy standpoint. It's I am a, you know, host red show level buyer or I am a otherwise and I am really excited to see it get to a yeah. place where you have 
multiple dimensions in your buying strategies, similar to you know how you might invest elsewhere. You're you're so spot on. You mentioned about a um, uh, like a creative guideline or template for the industry, and I think that. SXM puts out so much great content, great research on everything. Paul, I love everything that he writes. I got an article I got to read about uh, that he put out too. I think that that's really cool. And I hope that everyone listening to this, if you are in a position that you work in creative and audio, you reach out to Claire and the others at SXM and want to collaborate because we need that. The differences in a true standard for audio creative shouldn't deviate between companies. It's what you do additive to that, right? If we have that baseline, it means someone can come to the table with that. You can absolutely and should absolutely upsell them on what you do that's even better. But if they like what they built and it hits that standard, they're immediately in. It just makes it that much more powerful. I I really like that you also said that you're exploring the area between host red and announcer red. We, We don't have a banner, in podcasting, we don't have a standard format. We tend to assume that that's like the 30 second, the 60 second, the 90 second. I don't think the time matters as much as we think it does. And it's fair to say that there's a good amount of inventory left over in podcasting right now. So when things don't work out well, there's always, well, let's just do a make good for a little bit or added value or something. And we can always improve, but there's going to come a point where we don't have that where there's no extra room and everything, that execution matters because the inventory becomes higher and higher at demand and the performance becomes more critical day over day. And so we, right now, there are so many companies that are trying to crack creative and it, my heart goes out to you because it's probably not the most lucrative thing on your balance sheet right now, but in a year and in two years, it's going to be the reason why programmatic spend increases. It's going to be the reason why advertisers who hadn't entered our industry start coming in and use us to build their creatives that they go everywhere else with. Yeah, And so I think it's super worth that investment today. I do too. I mean, gosh, the list of things that we want to study is so massive. I think you bring up a really interesting point. Like ad length is something we think about a lot and actually have been studying for years in, in the streaming audio space and now in the podcast space. And I think we need to be careful about not necessarily trying to replicate the experience that you know is a minute long host red ad in a mid roll spot. Yeah, that's not the point. Like that serves a purpose, but a fifteen second ad that gets to the point that is really clear and concise is very effective and has its place within the ad load of a podcast. And so, I think that's a lot of the investigation and discovery we need to do so that we have the proof points and are able to you know guide advertisers on how to leverage this but a lot of industry education of you know replication might not be the right thing you yeah. know i i believe that a 90 second ad that isn't read by Stephen Dubner maybe is too long too long um, yeah unless it's like has high high entertainment value but not everything does you know some of it is just educational a parallel there that I was just thinking about was every now and then when there's a, a new streaming show that I'm watching, like well, I'm, I'm obsessed with Marvel's What If right now, uh-huh. and I'll go to load it and I'll be like, this episode is only 21 minutes. The last one was 34. And I just like get bummed out. And then I just remember because it's streaming, because they don't have to put ads in it, they can tell their story and not have to hit a filler marker. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to realize. And that's what you just hit on there. That's really good is that. If it's host read in its content, 
do whatever works. Right. It's part of your content. Build it in there. Make it really fun. If it's not host read, you have to go towards best, best practices. You have to be concise. You have to be fun. The ads that resonate the most with me that aren't host read are the ones that tell me enough information and then tell me that they support the show. Like I love wow in the yeah. world with my kid. And when they're just like, you know, we love supporting wow in the world. Have you, do you remember hooked on phonics? And I was like, I sure do. And they're like, check us out. And then we're back to the show. And I was like, Hey, three-year-old Theo, how old? Uh, like, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm like, Theo, how, do you remember hooked on phonics? You know what it is? Like, can I show you it? And I get excited about it because I can share it, but it was quick. We're back to the content. It- Totally. I'm such a believer in that. And um, yes, we have we have a lot of research. So if anyone is listening and wants that research, hit me up. It is, you know, an area of the space that we're really passionate about. And there's also a lot of things to consider too around, you know, skippability in the space. Like there's a lot of questions we have in terms of format and interaction and taking advantage of trends that you know to be true in terms of capturing someone's attention and then let them go back to the show. And there's power in that. And I think there's a lot more investigation we need to do as an industry there too, to ensure that the the message is heard. We're not infringing on the listener experience, but we're also maneuvering around the realities of the listener experience. Yeah. YouTube wouldn't have a seven second ad if it wasn't successful. Exactly. (laughs) And so, yeah, I, I think this is great. I'm I'm really thankful for people like you pulling everybody together to talk holistically about these values. And it's really important for everybody to know that podcasting as an industry can only continue to break into programmatic if we work together. We set standards together on creative, on the technical side, and we really all buy into it and make it accessible for everyone. And uh, the last thing I want to note here is that you know SXM Media sells host-read ads and programmatic. And Claire brought up that it was about 5% of ad spend was programmatic. Nobody wants 100% of anything and nobody should. If you're a buyer, the idea that you do 100% host read, you're leaving something on the table, right? You, you might be spending too much for some of those hosts that just aren't resonating with your message as well as you think because you're bought into that mindset. If you go too programmatic, you don't have that affinity, right? You don't have that connection. So try out everything as a buyer and as a publisher, Try out everything as well. Give people the opportunities and trust your partners as much, you know, have them walk you through it all, but trust them to do right by you because you can turn it off. If it doesn't fit your needs, you can turn it off and they know that. So they're not just turning it on and trying to make a buck. Everybody here knows how fragile it is with listeners and we're not, we're not willing to, to sacrifice that. So I want to end by asking you, what podcast are you listening to currently? Oh my gosh. Um... I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but I was just tuning into Toxic, the Britney Spears story, because that is pretty fascinating. Um, yeah. I am a very regular listener of Freakonomics. Um, just really love the content. And I feel like it brings me out of my day-to-day and gives me a different way to think about something that almost always like infuses itself back into work and what I'm interested in. So I'd say, I mean, those are the two I do hidden brain. I've been a fan of this American life for as long as it's existed. Um, (laughs) And it just continues to hit on everything that I'm looking for. And then, you know, I dabble in my true crime, just like I think everyone else. So 
I do have to check out the Britney one. I feel like I've caught like the glimpses of what's going on or what's happened. And, and I, I truly do want to know about it. I'll have to add it to my backlog. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot to unpack. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on. And I definitely want to have you back to talk more about all that research you guys have. Yes. We've got so many of it and lots more people to talk to on my end too. So we'd all, yeah, it would be great. Thank you so much, Brian. I really appreciate it. So, Brian, have you started listening to the Britney Spears podcast, Toxic? No, I I, I have downloaded it, giving them that credit. <laughs> I'm going to listen to it today. Okay, very good. So, yeah, loved your conversation with Claire, including her recommendations at the end. I want to share some of my takeaways. I listened to this two or three times, and I want to hammer home the fact that sometimes podcast ad tech can be hard to grasp. So it's okay to read through an article twice. It's okay to listen to the podcast twice. Maybe you on the second go around, listen at two times speed. It's up to you. But there are some concepts in here that are not only super important, but that will help your business. So definitely wanted to distill them down into a few bullet points. So here are my bullet points from Ariel's perspective. Please feel free to chime in, Brian, if you agree, disagree, if I am on the right track. Sound good? Yeah. All right. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So if you are a brand considering entering the podcast space, Claire suggests that you don't just buy host read ads. She also says, don't just buy programmatic ads. You should buy a combination. Also, she says, don't just buy on one show or on one network. Rather, you should diversify your investments. And I think the reasoning behind that is because you are just not going to see the results that you want from one person, from one keyword, You're going to want to diversify. And I think it's all still a guess and check game when it comes to marketing and when it comes to buying ads. So that's that's kind of what I got from that. Yeah, diversity is the biggest thing. When I was at Megaphone, I really liked the mindset that Megaphone's targeted marketplace was really focused around um, being one of many options. And anytime a salesperson would go into these conversations and say, ours is the best, you lose, right? Nine times out of 10, you lose because you're trying to silo people away. So I am such a big fan of diversity and all that because we wouldn't say to someone, hey, don't buy any other channel, only buy podcasting. So why would we say only buy one flavor of podcasting? Right. Like Claire said, she kept using the Stephen Dubner example. If you love Stephen Dubner and you want him to do all your host read ads, that's great, but you're probably also going to want to play around with some programmatic ads that run on Stephen Dubner's show or some other shows in the economics space or in the business space or all of those different keywords just to see which perform better. And then over time, you can take that data and figure out where your ad performs best. Yeah, absolutely. My next takeaway was about transcription. So transcription is huge in the podcast space for so many different reasons, for accessibility, for SEO. But now this kind of opened up a whole new meaning for me. So Transcription is going to bring huge opportunities for ad buyers because it'll allow them to comb through podcasts much faster than by skimming the content, by listening to tons of different podcasts or having AI detect patterns and conversation topics and keywords. So that is a huge opportunity. And where do you see that going, Brian? How do you see that kind of starting to become a thing? I think that contextual is going to be the center of advertising overall in the future. What's old is new again. 
And I think that's really important to remember here because that transcription means that we're taking audio and making it text. We're making sure it's accurate. And then it's going to allow us very clearly to process it through some of the tools we already have. But we also have the opportunity to not make those mistakes of simply trusting the AI and the technology to focus on those keywords, but rather sort this data for us to work with. So to me, transcription is huge. It levels the playing field. It makes the the content more accessible because there are some brands that want it for targeting. And there are some brands that simply cannot be on content that hasn't been vetted by a human or their internal process. And this makes it way more formalized for them versus for them to figure out how to process audio internally. Yeah, I think an interesting example that I see where transcription could be helpful is I listen to the podcast, The Daily Zeitgeist. And they're with iHeart and they get all sorts of ads that run on their show. And every once in a while, they'll get an ad that does not fit their ethical, an ad that they don't agree with. So the next episode, they'll explain why they don't agree with that. And I just think that all of this could be prevented if uh, if we were able to vet the ads that run through or if there was some if there was more of a connection between the advertiser and the content that the ad is potentially being served on. You know, the advertiser is spending money. They want to get the bang for their buck and they don't want to be serving ads on a platform. They don't want to be serving ads about a crisis pregnancy center on a podcast where the hosts shit on crisis pregnancy centers. But also, I don't agree. Yeah, with, I, I don't agree with crisis pregnancy <laughs> centers. So that's that's a whole thing, too. I, I, I think you're spot on. And the idea that the host has to, after the fact, explain that it's not valuable just defeated the whole purpose. The inventory right. is lost. The money's lost. I don't really know how you recoup that. Yeah. So any tool that makes sure the association is accurate is very important. And think about the type of control that gives us in podcasting. If I wrote an article for the New York Times or anything else, and my article was in print or in digital, and I got a chance to complain about what ads were next to me, like I would just lose my job. Right. In podcasting, we have so much more ownership. You have so much more association and the ads are content. And so this gives us the opportunity to make sure as much as possible that we can safely bring in other ad sources while properly representing ourselves and properly protecting ourselves. Right. And iHeart can't be happy when the hosts of a show that run ads for the network are talking about why that ad was not great on their show. And I'm not just... I don't even know how you can send an invoice right, after that. Right. Uh, but I think, you know, with crisis pregnancy centers, you know, that... We, we don't really want to support that. So I'm very okay with them doing that. And I appreciate their, yeah. their choice to go do that. miles and Jack yeah. from the daily zeitgeist. Yeah. Um, I also had another question for you about transcriptions. So I think Claire mentioned that first and foremost, you need to get permission from the podcast that it can be transcribed. Can you explain why that's the case? So right now, the way it works, I mean, there are plenty of tools out there that are just transcribing. I mean, Spotify, Apple, Google, and Amazon are doing it and they're justifying it because it helps the listeners. But all these advertising ones want people to opt into it, whether because there's a cost potentially, but because they want to make sure that you are aware that that's going to be how you're uh, categorized and how you're targeted against. So I think that that's really important there, but it also gives you the ability to potentially clean it up and make sure that the right word is used or the right phrasing is used so that it's properly represented. So I, I do think opt-in for stuff like that's really powerful. And I hope that these apps start to honor the transcriptions made by the publishers or their technology that they pick passed down through the RSS feed or other ways to make it more accurate instead of doing it themselves and potentially having the publisher have to log into multiple places to clean it up or be in a situation where they don't have the rights to clean it up and decisions are being made on stuff that doesn't accurately represent their content. Yeah, definitely. 
So Brian, my next takeaway is I, I really liked that Claire echoed some of the sentiments that were written about in an article on Sands Profitable a few months ago from Danny Sellers at Gumball. The article was added time isn't added value. So just because an ad is longer doesn't necessarily mean that the brand is getting more bang for their money, right? It could be that the host does a really solid 15 second ad and gets everything out that they need to get out. But if they are, for some reason, if they go on for 90 seconds, it could be detrimental to that ad read. The listener could be uninterested and even turned off. No, you're you're spot on. We when we were recording before this, I actually said this, and I'm embarrassed to admit it. I stopped listening to the Scrubs podcast because I do not ever want to play Exploding Burrito. I never want to hear that ad again because it is two minutes, never re-recorded. It feels like of the same thing that goes on too long. It has absolutely made me want to knock that out of the hands of people that I see playing it because it is it's not a great two minute ad. Right. The all the excitement I have for the host is completely ruined by how long they drag that out. And if they would have just been like, I had a blast with it with my kids, you should 100 percent check it out. I would have I probably would have bought it. Like I being very honest, I love board games and things like that. So I think that's right. We don't have these these mindsets. We think that time is value. Danny teed it up perfectly there. And we need to figure out what our templates are, what our banner equivalent is. And we don't have it yet. So we d- just don't just cram in more content there. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I love the Scrubs podcast. So I am upset that you were turned off by that article. And I'd love for you to return. I'll go back. <laughs> I'll go And then back. I just have one more takeaway, which is that programmatic ads can be turned on and turned off. So the balance has to be right, you know? And I think that is something that is really important for both brands and for talent to realize when they're recording, because that is going to make or break how your ad does, how your ad performs. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's got to be in sync. It's got to hit the audience correctly. It's got to be attractive for everybody. And these are switches that we have, like don't sign a contract that takes all of your control away. Right. Reply all is mad about a specific ad that Spotify sold. They signed into that, right? The contract says they lose rights of that, or there was some level of uh, targeting or or, um, preventative nature that they just chose not to dig into. Make sure you understand what controls you're giving away when you're working with partners and make sure they fit your needs and learn about it. Learn about IAB category blocking, learn about um, uh, podcast category blocking, learn about your ability to block by domain and whatnot, and learn about your rights to turn it off when you're working with a partner. Because that partner getting you into programmatic is just as motivated to get you there as they are to keep you there. And if you are unhappy, that doesn't help them. We're not, we never report on the number of people who signed up for programmatic accounts. We're reporting on the money spent. And that's what's important. We need to grow that. This needs to be another avenue for brands to test to then come in and treat us as our own channel. Yeah, and you had a tweet about that this week. You tweeted about how more and more people should experiment with this, should get into the space, create, and then bring on ad partners that can advance this industry. Yeah. You just need to learn the space first, come from a space that's valid advertising or ad tech or content creation and learn the other sides and just ask. It's so fun. And um, one of my favorite places to go to get information is uh, podnews.net. And so before we wrap up, here is what's happening this week in the world of podcasting with James Pridland at Pod News. Podnews. 
If you want to connect or if you have any questions or comments about all the things that we talked about, please feel free to reach out to us on social media at Sounds Prof News, at Brian Barletta, or at Ari This and That on Twitter. Podcast at soundsprofitable.com for email, or you can reach out to us via the Yappa link in the show's description. This show is recorded using Squadcast. It has fantastic remote video recording, Adobe mastering features, screen shares recorded in high depth in real time. And now we have an awesome feature where you can hide your video so you can take an awesome squad shot, even if you don't want to be in the shot. If it's Ian right now taking a picture of me and Ariel to share without his picture in it. So please check out squadcast.fm for a trial and tell them Sounds Profitable sent you. Check out the show's private feed if you haven't already. It's on Supercast and you can get access to narrated articles and early drops of the interview episodes. Link in the episode description. Thanks to Evo Terra and Ian Powell for their help on this episode. And thank you again to my amazing co-host, Ariel Nissenblatt. And we're supposed to say goodbye in a different language each week. Yeah, okay. What's the language for this week? I, I think it's Spanish because we are doing yet another article about uh, using Spanish language. So, adios, adios. Brian. Bye.